0: Good to see a lot of you are visiting today. Um, Just a warning, if you're visiting here today, the Bible has a lot of great teachers, and they ask rhetorical questions. I am not a great teacher, so I don't ask rhetorical questions, so if I ask a question, I'm going to expect a response, and you'll see that. It's an interactive thing. Um, You are free to laugh. You are free to say amen. You're not free to throw anything at me, though, all right? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I, I saw some of you guys were lighting up, like, oh boy, here we go. Tomato seed. Been working. And I'm, yeah, I'm not not ready for that quite yet. So we've been working on a series uh, this summer, and we've been working through the book of Colossians, right? And Colossi, uh, the letter that was written to Colossi was to an area of churches, and Paul writes this from the perspective of prison. Interesting though, he writes to a, some churches that he's not even visited. He doesn't know them. Um, personally he just knows some of the folks that have been there and he's getting reports back and so he's addressing those churches in that area and Colossae is a diverse area it has a lot of Greek has some Jews Uh, it's transient there's a lot of folks in and out but what is the greatest threat to those churches in Colossae? Paul's teachers right all right here's another question good good job who are they attacking the most? There we go. The person of Jesus, right? We see it chapter after chapter. It's attack on Jesus, right? Again, was he just a good prophet? Was he a good teacher? The, you know, his uh, supremacy, was he there at creation? All those things are coming under attack by false teachers. And sadly, we still see that today. Right? There are religions and there are teachers out there that take away from or try to add to Jesus Christ. Right, Usually take away. And again, the focus goes from Jesus to us, usually. Right? It becomes all about us. A uh, little famous little pun or probably a bumper sticker, but you know, I is in the middle of sin. Right, And that quite often is the case. Right? We need Jesus to help us with that. So as we've been working through, right, chapter 1, we talked a lot about the supremacy of Christ. Chapter 2, we looked at Christ the reconciler, right, how he reconciles that relationship. How can we have a relationship with a holy God as imperfect people, right? And Jesus bridges that gap, right, through his death, burial, and resurrection, right? Resurrection, we, we focused on that quite a bit because, again, something that they wanted to take away was uh, the resurrection part. Um, Joe, interesting enough, even your prayer request about the, the sacrifice, right? We, we don't have to sacrifice any longer. But there were Jews that wanted to go back. And we looked at that a little bit in chapter 2. The end of chapter 2 talked about going back to the law, right? going back to the old way, all the commandments, right? Sacrificial system, celebration of feast. Again, in and of themselves, we're not wrong to remember as Jews, but to make the Gentiles do that and to pull them back to the old way was where things went awry, when things went wrong, and not recognizing Jesus. We have that today, right? They don't recognize the weak, we fire, therefore, takes away from the gospel. And then last week, we started chapter 3, and we talked about Christ and us. And I said that Paul went from solid doctrine in the first couple chapters to application. right? It makes it a lot easier as a pastor to, to preach through application, right? Because we can relate, we can understand um, and again, that's the importance, is if we have good, sound doctrine, then it should play out in how we live. And so, Paul does that for us here in chapter 3, and today he's going to get really personal. He's going to get right down to our core relationships. In fact, the title of today's message is, Christ in Our Relationships. That cute little missions girl, she almost stole my thunder, but she was talking about, right, people seeing Christ in you, right, with neighbors, in case you're new here, that, that missions girl is my wife. So I don't call everyone cute here. So get in trouble here right off the bat. So she's back teaching the little kids. So, so some of you guys can help me out here because we got some tough stuff coming up on marriage relationships. So I may need it. No, no, no. It's all good. So, chapter 3, verse 12. Yes. You say, well, Charlie, we did verse 12 last week. I know. We did verse 12 last week. It was on purpose. But again, I like to get a running start. Again, we we break it up from week to week, but it's hard hard as a pastor to do that. And you're going to see we're going to go in. In fact, you're going to see we're going to go into chapter 4 because guess what? I don't agree with the authors that the chapter breaks very good. So I kind of want to do this in continuation. So, verse 12, chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved you know that? He's talking to you, right? Marinate on that for a few minutes, right? It's God's chosen, holy, and dearly loved. You are loved this morning. Maybe not by everyone in the room, not by uh, the relationships we're talking about, but you are dearly loved by the God above. That in itself is amazing to me, and again, time to time. And part of the reason why I wanted to go back to that, and just a reminder, because we need that from time to time. Sometimes we get feeling like nobody loves me, right? We get alone and we get down. So, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. If you remember from last week, right, we talked about taking off some things. We had to take off some things, right? Some bad habits, some, some problems, some sin issues. Again, as believers, we still struggle with sin, right? It doesn't automatically come off when we get saved. It would be great if it did in many ways, but we struggle with that. And even after being a believer a long time, sometimes those temptations come and we, we go back into that trap again. But Paul's encouraging us to put off, right? To put off and put on. Look at the things he telling us put on, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You think those things would help out in relationship? Yeah. Again, he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. Just in the, the family here, within the, the church, um, this obviously applies to our, our physical families, but also our spiritual family. Right? It's hard to fight with someone if they're compassionate or they're kind, right? They're humble. I was humbled this week again. I played golf with some other pastors this week. No, I'm not talking about fishing. No, all right, I'm not. Some of you guys were wondering. I took some guys out from church here this week, but, but golf is one of those that humbles me greatly. It's good, good for your pastor once in a while to do that, so, but gentleness and being patient. These are all things that help with a relationship. I'll talk a little bit about bearing with one another, right? And not just putting up with, but actually absorbing the offense and not holding it against. Talked about that in great length last week a little bit, right? Just absorbing that offense. Because guess what? I know it's hard to believe, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we every once in a while, we, we rub each other the wrong way, right? We do things that we don't like, or we may not see it clearly. Again, sometimes it's just an opinion or it's just a personal thing. It just doesn't rub right. But you know what? We can absorb those offenses for the sake of Christ. and So that's what Paul's referring to here. And then forgiveness. And I mentioned that I have a, a sermon all on itself on forgiveness. I probably have a, a series on forgiveness because it's a constant reminder. Um, and actually, someone's already requested that I preach that pretty soon. So maybe when we get done Colossians, I'll... I'll do because that's a sermon as a reminder sermon on forgiveness Um, because that's an important one, especially among believers, right? We need to forgive. And again, forgive as Christ forgives, not as the world says. The world doesn't even know. In fact, they don't even use that word most of the time, forgiveness. It's a foreign concept to them, rightfully so. And then verse 14, right? It's all bound together with love. Interesting, the, the definition of love, if we look at it in Corinthians, uh, yeah, in Corinthians, back in that series, right, chapter 13, right, a lot of the same things that Paul says put on is really love things, right, love, peace, patience, kindness, all those things are all part of keeping no records or wrong, I always forget that one, throw that one in the last, no, but those are all part of love, right, and if we love each other, our relationship's going to be be okay, We'll get through a lot. So that was last week. And again, that's what keeps us together. That keeps us united. So with that in place, Paul jumps into the next couple of verses. Verse 15. Verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I'm going to stop right there because it's kind of a good place to catch our breath here with this. But the peace of Christ rule, right? Peace is one of those pieces in our lives that we're always looking for, right? Does anyone not like peace? Peace. Do you like turmoil? Do you like arguing all the time or conflict, right? No, we, we, all, we all want peace, right? Peace is one of those goals that we're always looking to attain, But you know what? Sometimes we can't obtain those, right? Sometimes the peace around us is not, we're not in control of. But that peace of Christ so we can have inside. Again, this is a hard issue. Remember, the beginning of this chapter said, right? Set your hearts on things above. Well, Again, that heart above is that peace with inside. Things can be going awry around me, but I can still have peace inside. I've seen that many times with folks. They've used that as part of their testimony, right? They've been going through a tough struggle, tough period. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's an illness. Yet, through it all, they've had peace, And people said, well, how can you be at peace or how can you be so calm going through that? That's because they have Christ inside and they're not lost sight of who Jesus is, right? And so that's that peace that Paul's talking about here. And then the reminder, right? We're all members of one body. Paul loves that illustration, right? Using the, the church body as our human bodies. There's fingers, there's toes, there's mouths, Right? But who's in charge? Who's the head of the church? Christ. Yeah, right? I'm glad none of you said Charlie. We would be in big, big trouble. Same as you said elders as well, because I know you're elders, and yeah, we would be in big, big trouble. Hey, I got a meeting with them this week. I'll probably hear about that in great length, but no, it's all good. But again, he uses the body, right? We're all working together, and there's many facets, and there's many pieces. And you know, One of the things I'm very thankful about Point Way, there are many people that make even just Sunday morning happen, and even things throughout the week, right? It's not all relying upon one person or even just a couple. You know, from the, the lawns to the flowers to the cleaning of the church, there's lots of things that happen. You know, the teachers in the back right now, the music, guys in the sound booth, you know, and there's many, many others that people are doing things as part of the body, seen and unseen. A lot of times, no one sees what gets done, but thankful for that, especially here at Pointway. By the way, if you want to serve somewhere, there's some openings, so there's still more room for the body to, to serve. I think there's a cleaning sheet back there that has a few open spots, if you'd like, so... Um, among other things. So just see me or one of the elders or let me know. It goes on to verse 16. It says, let the message of Christ dwell. Kind of an interesting word, that dwell. It's not listed often in set. set. sure. But Paul uses it here that dwell means to kind of hang out with, to kind of set, right? And you think of it in terms of relationship. How do you grow a relationship, right? The only way I know is really time. Spending time with someone, right? You don't get that from just a a casual meeting. Uh, If you've ever been in the airport, you know you make lots of eye contact and you go in by lots of people. And even if you sit with someone on a plane ride and you're one of those people that talks to them and they actually listen and talk back, it's a very short encounter for the most part. But the, the word here, dwell, means spending a quantity amount of time, just Hanging out with. And again, the message of Christ, it's not only salvation, but the work after as well. Again, you need those things. It says among you richly, right? Goes deep, has value. Spending that time with Christ is important. Because as you teach and admonish, right? Interestingly, he puts those two words together, right? Right? Teaching is taking God's word and explaining it or helping. And you know, we learn a lot even by just interactions. But that teaching, admonish has that, that negative, right? But really they go together. And that's why they are together. Because, again, admonishing means that we take something that someone's learned incorrectly and teach them correctly. It's a great way of looking at it. And when I studied it out this week, it kind of made it a little bit clear, at least in my mind. Because admonishing, I think of just someone like, oh, you're wrong. Right? You're, you're, you're dead wrong. This is and kind of coming down hard on them, but that's not it at all. It's taking something and gently bringing someone along to right teaching. Consequently, that's why it's so important to learn good doctrine and good sound doctrine in the beginning. I don't know how they figured this, but studies say that it takes up to seven times hearing something to unlearn bad teaching or bad doctrine or even a bad habit. It takes a lot of work. And so learning it right the first time makes it a lot easier going forward. So that makes sense, right? Teaching and admonish one another. With all wisdom, look at the various ways you can do that. I look at this passage and I say, well, man, God is creative in the way he does it, all right? Look how creative he is. Psalms, right? Have you ever read through the Psalms? I mean, there's, it's expanse, but it's, it's a wealth of imagery, pictures, it's got some hard stuff, got some, some good stuff, deliverance. There's some theology in there. There's some um, there's doctrine in there. So there's some also prophecy, all wrapped up in the Psalms, right? But it's saying, with the mind to put to music, right? Now, I've actually been in a church where they sang Psalms. I'll be honest, it was a little dry. I'll just, from my personal preference, it was a little dry. But you know what? It was deeply sound songs. You didn't have to worry about the doctrine. The, it was solid. But it was a little hard. To, the words didn't always line up well and the music put to it. But it was good. And again, that's how that, that group worshipped. Hymns, right? Hymns, even through the hymns, we, we learn a lot. There's some good teaching in some of the hymns. There's bad teaching in hymns as well. But, but again, diverse, right? We can have differences even in our music and they can teach us. And then we have Spirit, right? Songs from the Spirit, right? Today we have contemporary songs. We have old contemporary, new contemporary, the latest. I, yeah, I have lost track of all the different ways. But God is creative in that, right? And He speaks to us. He speaks to our heart. He, he moves us quite often through music. And that's okay. And again, I, we, we do music here as well, and varieties and different teams and different people leading back Lily you woke up the last song I heard you loud and clear good job Lily's coming off camp this week and and thankful that she's here this morning but it's not easy after a busy stretch here at Camp Jim but then the reminder right don't lose sight of this here in the last part of that right who are we singing to God yeah and we're singing to God with a purpose, right? Not to be the loudest, not to be the best, not to be the perfection, right? But with thanksgiving and our gratitude in our hearts, right? We're singing to God. We're thanking Him. We're praising Him for who He is. Beautiful passage here. I used to use this as a benediction doxology in a church that we were a little more formal, and this would be one of those passages we'd use to kind of close out our service, and then verse 17 kind of stands there, and again, it's put in there, but it's put in there with a purpose, because it's not all about the singing. It's not all about just Scripture, right? It's God is encompassing. He brings it all together. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Be thankful, right? So he's saying, it, be thankful, right? Not only just our words, but also in our deeds. I think that's even more important today in our culture, right? It's not necessarily what I say, because pretty much if you say anything, someone can come up with something that's contrary or the opposite, Right? Always oh, great to check before you post things online or post things. You know, I read through things now three or four times, and even then, sometimes I'm hesitant. and Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just not even going to risk it. I'm not going to post that, right? right? But our deeds, right? People don't want to just hear it; they want to see it. Right? They're skeptical enough as it is, but they want to see what you really believe, right? Uh, And I say that often with our relationships as well, right? I can say I love you, but if I don't show it in a tangible way physically, um, it doesn't mean as much, right? It can be shallow, right? It comes with working both of those together, word and deed. And so we need help with that. Some people say, well, how does that work? How do I do that, right? Because... There's, not every situation's in the Bible. Well, it is, but it's not always clearly lined up, right? There was a popular saying a few years back, and I'm probably dating myself, but W W J D, right? Anyone remember that? What would Jesus do, right? Some of you are old as me, and you can remember that. That's good, right? That's, right? Well, that's a good reminder. sometimes we need to pause and think about that. What would? What did Scripture say? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What? what would I do? What would Jesus do in this situation? Chapter 3, remember Paul's given us a lot just in these passages, and if we could just grab a hold of chapter 3, we'd be well on our way in our relationships. All right, verse 18. Ah, I, I'm ready for this. I can do this. Right? <laughs> I shouldn't even make fun of it because it's, it is. it's a great passage. Uh, I use it often. Um, not only in premarital counseling, but in marriage counseling, uh, I do it a lot in the mirror because guess what? I need it. Um, you know, even after 32 years, we still work at this. PJ and I. So by no means am I coming from any place other uh, humble, sh- shaking and shuddering as I work through this. But verse 18: You wives, submit yourselves to your husband, as is fitting to the Lord. All right. Man, that word submit has caused so many people to struggle with this passage, right? But yet, if you look at it, submit is all over the Bible. Jesus submitted to God, the Father, right? We're asked to submit. We're asked to submit to one another. The passage is in the body of Christ, we are to submit to one another, willfully putting ourselves under those in authority over us, right? Again, Paul is just stating the uh, God's word that he's just repeating over and over through history. Right? Again, it comes from creation. It's the order in which we were created. Right? In case you had forgotten that, right? It's in Genesis. Right? God created man, and then he created woman, and so that order that helps. And again, it I love how Scripture puts that in here, but as fitting to the Lord right? Because believe me, I've heard it all, right? I've heard this many times. But Charlie, you don't know what he's asking me to do. There's always, someone can find an exception, right? And again, there are some exceptions, right? If your husband is asking you to do a sin, something that's sinning against God, then by no means, right? Peter addresses that later on, right? We are to submit in the government, right? We're to submit to them unless they're asking us to sin, same thing for you wives, right? If your husband's asking you to sin, then no, by no means. Right? But in the 99.9% of the time, in the general consensus, willfully putting yourself under your husband's care is what the scripture's talking about. Whew. I didn't get any amens, but I didn't get anything thrown at me, so I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable. All right, husbands, all right, this is, I feel a little more comfortable with this. You notice there's only one thing the wives had to do, submit. Guess what, husbands, you have two things, and a lot more, but two things, right? Verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them, all right? Husbands love your wives. Like I said, not just with your words, right? It's got to come with deeds, Husbands, I warn you, it's not a checklist. All right, I love my wife today. I'm all set. Now I can go do what I want. Doesn't work. I've got the knots on my head to prove it. All right? It's a continuation, and it's an ever-changing thing. Right? And right? I'm not <laughs> women are difficult, but I'm just saying it. It's an ever-changing. I said, because you women are not difficult. Come on. Some of you guys are going to be in trouble. You need to work on this, this loving thing. You're wise, right? Right? I'm serious. the the The, the needs change, right? You know, we we a lot. Many of you have read the the five love languages, right? And I, I love love Gary Smalley does a great job with that book. I recommend it. It's it's good reminder. But man, women change, right? I think I found all right. Here's her love language. I've got it. This is it, right? Maybe it's small gifts. And guess what? That's not what PJ needs today. She needs words of affirmation. But yesterday she needed something else. Um, yeah. So it's a continuation of speaking that love language. Continually work on it. Continue to be a student of your wives. Right? Husband loves your wife. Right? It's, it's a command, it's not a, an either or. And the second part is do not be harsh with them. Right? guess what? Your wife is not one of the guys, right? I can bust on guys. I can give them a hard time, right? It doesn't work so well with our wives. Amen. There we go. (laughs) Someone that's been married for a while (laughs) understands that, right? But no, and we don't want them to be one of the guys either, really, if we'd be honest. But we forget. We bark at them or we, we say something that we would say to another guy. Another guy would be like, They'd either bark back or just ignore, right? Kind of oblivious to that stuff. Wives are softer. They're tender. They hear that, and again, and they take it um, the wrong way or not as it was intended, right? So not be harsh with them. And again, that only involves your words, but also your actions, right? You have to treat them differently, right? Can't treat them the same way. We shouldn't. They're, they're, They're precious. They're valuable. Also, just a little tidbit here. Did you notice that these two verses I broke out? I didn't do them 18 and 19 together. I always, this is one of those teaching moments, but it's not a continuation, or a, not a, it is a continuation, but it's not a, if my wife submits to me, then I love them, or if my husband loves me, then I'll submit to him. Very important, right? These are standalone. These are for us as individuals. There's not a conditional clause in there. There we go. I knew I'd get around to it somewhere. It was up there. I just had to roll back the Rolodex, right? Stop laughing. You're not that old. Right? But isn't it true? Right? So many times we, we get in conflicts with our, our spouse and it's because we want to make it conditional. Well, if she does this, then I'll do that. It's a wrong kind of love. It's a wrong kind of relationship. It's a standalone. That love here for husbands is agape love, irregardless. Kind of think of it that way. All right, I've gotten through the wives, I've gotten through the husbands. Feeling much better now. All right, verse 20. Now, we sent a lot of the kids out, so I don't know. You guys may have to relay this message on the ride home or spend some time with them. You probably know this passage well, especially this verse, right? Children, obey your parents. In everything, for this pleases the Lord. Right? Obviously, the in everything is in everything, but with the clause, obviously, if your parents are asking you to do something that's sinful, then no. Right? The question I usually get asked with this is how far does this go? Right? How far does this go? How long does this go? And to what point? It gets a little tricky. And again, I could give you some of my opinions. Um, Right? At what age does that stop? That obeying, right? <laughs> it's great when you have multi generations here. today. I, I, I saw Sheila like trying to hit Bryce upside the head. <laughs> Pay attention. I think Bryce might be on that point. Uh, honor, though, he should still be honoring, okay? I'll, 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 I'll give you that one just in case you're wondering if you could only see what I see, it's just so crazy. I, I literally saw, Sheila was just about ready to, yeah. 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 She, was, she wasn't going to be harsh. She was just going to wake him up. Amazing. Are you paying attention? No. But certainly obey in the constraints of your home, all right? We have house rules. We have things that, that happen. I have my own daughter here this morning, I mean, I, but again, she's an adult now Actually, she's gonna be Ernie's problem pretty soon, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that, that was not in my notes. Uh, sorry, Rach and Ernie. But, right? But it pleases the Lord, right? When our kids obey and when they again it pleases. Then there's a word of caution that comes with it. Sorry, dads, I'm gonna beat up on you. It doesn't say moms in here, but it says fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged, right? I have this glaring example in mind um, in my head. Um, I'd ask my two boys to, to rake the front yard. This was when we lived in Rhode Island, and we had a bunch of acorns and leaves, and it was a short piece of lawn. And you know, I, I gave them both rakes, put them on two sides of the lawn, because, again, they would fight. They would end up doing sword fights. And so they did the, the, the usual, right? Young men, quick, dirty not very well. And so I remember going out and blasting them and saying, guys, start over again. Do it over again. All right? And they did it again and I could almost barely tell that they had done it the second time because at that point, they turned me off and they were not happy and so they go through and I finally like, that's it. I threw them inside and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so I went out and did it. And you know what? Yeah. Lawn was better than, than if I had done it, but I kind of blew it as a dad because I took their will out of raking. They, they, Believe me, they didn't want to rake anymore after that, that's for sure. They felt they couldn't live up. And that's just a, a reminder, and God really spoke to me and says, Charlie, you just blew it with your boys. Is that really that important? So my, my caution to dads is be careful, be wise, don't expect too much out of your kids. Again, it's not wrong to, to, to show them and to teach them, but they're not... Adults, right? They're not there yet. They don't have the wisdom. They may not have the skills even. Be age appropriate, right? Because you don't want to embitter them or to break the relationship over something that in the end really doesn't matter, you know? You guys don't really care about my lawn in Rhode Island, do you? No, no. My neighbors didn't even care about my lawn in Rhode Island. But I remember, you know, my boys, and so I had to go back and ask for forgiveness and then work with them. Um, I'm pretty sure now they have their own lawns they can rake, so uh, hopefully it's better or they're working that through. All right. But you see our core relationships, husband and wives, fathers and children, mothers and children as well. Again, that could apply as well. Moms have to be careful. This just Certainly, you don't want to discourage them or beat them down. But in our relationship, family relationship, this is where Christ needs to rule, right? That's how this whole thing started, right? We need to show Christ in our relationship. I need to show Christ to my wife. I need to show Christ to my kids. wives well, need to show it to their husbands. And if that wasn't enough, Paul goes on. In fact, Paul goes on here quite a bit about slaves. Verse 22. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when the eye is on you, when the eye is on you, and to to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. All right. Someone's already asked me, and again, it's a good question, right? How come Paul doesn't denounce slavery, right? Again, we have a trouble here. We have a little bit of hardship because of our Western mindset. We think of slavery, we think of the South, and again, that's automatically where our mind goes. Not exactly the same scenario, although... Again, certainly they were slave in that day. Remember, the Roman Empire is in charge. right The Roman Empire is the one that's, that's occupying their land. So they are enslaved to the Roman Empire. In fact, up to two-thirds of the people were enslaved in some form or another. And again, slavery also even goes further. In the Jewish culture, it would go to if you owe something. Does anyone here have a mortgage? Anyone? Yeah. Anyone have a car payment, right? Student loan. Guess what? That's a form of enslavement, right? You know, try that with your car. Try not paying for it. And eventually, you know, they'll come and take it from you, right? It's it's not yours yet until you pay it off. Right? So there's an enslavement there. Most pastors also take this passage and apply it to work. Right? When you punch in, you are committed to whoever you're working for. All right, there's usually some wisecracker that says, well, I'm self-employed, right? But you still have to pay taxes, right? Right? So in a way, there's still some responsibilities. You can't just do whatever you want. But if we have a job, we are enslaving ourselves for whatever hours we are there. And so certainly this passage would apply to that as well, right? And so we have a responsibility when we're at work. We're going to use that same analogy because it works really well. We are to obey, right? We're to follow the rules. Again, you can, same thing with all these. You can find the exception to the rule, right? If they're telling you to do a sin or to sin against God, then certainly no. But 99.9% of the time, that's not what our bosses are asking from us. So we're to submit to them and to do everything they say, right? Everything. Not only when the boss is watching, Remember, but when he's not watching. Remember, many of you, I I used to manage warehouses. I haven't always been in ministry, and so I used to manage warehouses. And I can tell you, from working with lots of different employees, not everyone did that. Even when I worked at UPS, I was a a manager inside the warehouse. In fact, it was kind of funny, because one of the things they taught us in management school, and I did take classes in management, was to walk around with a clipboard, a blank sheet of paper on a clipboard and a pen. Because you know what? When people saw me with that clipboard and if I even was doodling on it, they worked differently. Right? Because they knew the boss was watching. And they didn't know what I was writing. I could have been writing up the report or, and again, a lot of times with a blank piece of paper. Kind of a cruel trick in many ways. But the reality is, in the world, they know that if the boss is around, you're going to work one way, and when he's not, or she's not, you're going to work a different. God says as believers, though, we are to work the same. In fact, I would almost say that you might even have to work harder when they're not around. Right? Because he's saying the saying with fervor, right? Curry with their favor, the sincerity of heart. Again, who is he saying we working for? Am I working for the boss? No, working for God. Great reminder. It helps in those tough situations, those job situations where it's difficult some days. Not so far removed that I don't remember that. That's a great reminder for me. And then verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongs, and there is no favoritism. The great balancer, right? Balances that out, right? Because guess what? You may do the best job, you may work the hardest. You may do exactly what this scripture says, and guess what? Your boss may not even know, may not even recognize it. Even worse, he may give the credit to somebody else, or he may take credit for it, or she may take credit for it, right? That happens, right? Or is that the only one that happened to? It, it happens. It happens in most workplaces. You work there long enough, those things happen. But again, if I'm working of the month of I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to get the recognition. I don't have to get the employee of the month award. Now, again, we all like to be recognized, and we all like that, and we need that encouragement. But if we don't get it, it's okay, because it's going to come from God, right? God's the one that sees. He's the one that knows. He's also the one that knows our heart, our heart motivation for doing it. I always get leery when I hear someone say "Oh, I'm, I'm just working this job for my paycheck I mean that's a warning sign right because guess what you're not going to be very motivated you're not going to do your best if that's all you're doing it for most people are either underpaid or not paid enough or yeah irregardless it's the wrong motivation you won't last long there but again Christ sees that and guess what We don't have to worry about it if that employee gets credit for the job that we did, right? Because God says there's no favoritism, right? He sees it. He knows. And if you're doing wrong, he knows that as well. Like I said, this doesn't end where I like it to end, so I go into the chapter end, so I'm going to go into verse 1 because Paul addresses the masters here as well. Again, these are masters who have slaves. And certainly, probably means that the fact that Paul has quite a section here on this, this relationship, probably means that that area had a, a large portion of it. But how great is it? They had not only the people that are slaves, they had the masters in the same congregation. So are saying saying? This is in the same church. And they're getting along. And Paul's encouraging them to just treat each other as Christ treats us. right? That relationship. And so he addresses masters here. He says, masters... Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know you also have a master in heaven. Short version of that, you have to answer to God. And so the encouragement to the master is like, not only provide, provide kind of the short word, but it's take care of them, right? Context, you have to love them. It's going to change that relationship, right? It's not a, not a one-up, one-down at that point, right? Interesting enough, this whole passage brings equality to a culture that's very much the opposite. You know, even the husband-wife thing, culturally speaking, Jews and Greeks were not that way. Women were inferior. They did not have as much. And Paul brings them up to, hey, no, we're, we're co-heirs in Christ, right? You're willingly putting yourself under, but it's only as a believer doing that. But again, you're on equal ground, equal terms. Same thing here with slaves and masters. He's putting them on equal terms, whereas culturally, that's not the case. So, it's been a longer message this morning, but how are your relationships? Question for you. These are reflective questions, something you can work on marinate on, meditate on, however you want to do that. To God, it does matter how we treat our family, how we treat our spouses, our relationships. So a question for you might be, how are things at home? Right? How are things at home? Is Christ evident in your home? And I know tomorrow's Monday morning, but how are things at work? Do people see Christ in you at work? Right? And how's that work going? How's your attitude? How's your heart at work? And then lastly, how are things with your church family? Here at church, how are things with your church family? How's our relationship going with each other? And we thank you, for. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, and we thank you for this time in your word, and Lord, as there's a lot to chew on, Lord, give us the strength, give us the courage to work on those tough things, our relationships. Lord, may you dwell in us even more richly, as the scripture says that we will grow in our relationship with you so that we can grow in our relationship with each other. Continue to help us, continue to strengthen us. Show us those ways that, Lord, we need to ask for forgiveness. Lord, also show us those things that are going well, Lord, and that we can encourage others. We can teach and admonish with a right heart. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are and all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.